Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Have you noticed how when you set your foot to pray, you, you just set aside time to pray that all of a sudden everything starts happening, the phone starts ringing, the kids start fighting. I mean, everything starts happening. That is spiritual. <laughs> that is a spiritual warfare because Satan knows that prayer is the deciding factor and he'll do everything he can to keep a Christian from praying because he knows that when a Christian prays, that's his defeat. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Spiritual warfare is real. As such, you can expect the enemy to do what he can to stop you from praying. Pastor J.D. challenges us to commit to prayer and to see it through no matter what circumstances arise to dissuade us. Allow prayer to be a steady and consistent part of your life. Do this by scheduling times for you to sit and speak and listen. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. Psalm 4. We didn't uh, get there last week. We ended uh, at Psalm 3, and I'm glad we didn't because I didn't want to rush through Psalm 4. We're given a title to this psalm. It's to the chief musician with stringed instruments. That's the instrumentation. The author is, of course, uh, David, a psalm of David. So verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? Selah. And for those of you who weren't with us last week, this word Selah is found some 73 times in the Psalms. Uh, the only other book in the Bible where you find this word is in the uh, book of Habakkuk. And I think it's uh, there three times. The basic meaning of the, book, of the uh, word Selah is to pause, to stop, to consider. And it's like a refrain in this song, which is what the Psalms are. They're songs. So it's kind of like you catch your breath and you stop and you consider. Verse 3, but know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, verse 6, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, 
make me dwell in safety. I have to say that I absolutely love Psalm 4 because it's a psalm really about prayer. And not only about prayer, but it's a psalm about the Lord hearing and answering our prayers. And we're going to see this as well with Psalm 5 next. But it's also a psalm that speaks to the connection between the power of prayer and the passion in prayer. Notice at the beginning of the psalm where David cries out to God in his distress. He's pleading, even even begging God for relief in this stressful situation in which he finds himself. And he's asking God, really begging God and, and crying out, literally crying out. And we're going to see this again in uh, the next Psalm, Psalm 5. But he's begging God for mercy. Now, the reason I mention this is because this is one of those Psalms and this is one of those places in God's word where it speaks to how that the most powerful prayers are the most passionate prayers. This is James five sixteen, the second part. I know a verse uh, known to you where James says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much, avails much. This is a, a passionate plea, a, a passionate prayer. And because it's a passionate prayer, a fervent prayer, it's also a powerful and effective prayer. By the way, one of the things I was thinking about when it comes to David, and for those of you who were part of our uh, Bible study when we were in First and Second Samuel, we got to know David very well. And one of the things that I was thinking about concerning David is that he was a very passionate and even a very sensitive man. He had a sensitivity to the Lord. He had a heart for the Lord, even a heart after God's own heart, meaning that his, his heart was pursuing after God. He had a, a passion for the Lord and a passion in pursuing the Lord and the things of the Lord. And it comes out. It comes out in this along with many other of his psalms. So it's interesting too that after David talks to God in verses 1 and 2, I don't know if you started to notice this, but uh, he, he, let me back up one, one uh, step here. This, like the other Psalms that we're going to uh, study, David starts off and it is perilous and he's in distress. And by the time he gets to the end of the Psalm, uh, nothing's really changed in his circumstances. We'll, we'll see that again in the next Psalm. But what's changed is his heart. And the, and the thing that has changed in his heart is that God has heard the cry and hearkened under the cry of his heart. And that changes everything. His circumstances are still just as stressful. And, and by the way, many of the Psalms that uh, David wrote, he was on the run for his life. Saul is trying to kill him. <laughs> and not to mention his own son Absalom, which we saw in the previous Psalm, is trying to actually kill him. You talk about a trial. This is, these were some serious 
and, and difficult times for David. And this is the, the psalm that was birthed out of a situation like that. But notice that in verses 1 and 2, he is talking to God, praying, crying out to God. And then he starts talking to man in verses 3 to 5. Then in verses 6 through 8 to the end of the psalm, he starts talking to God about men after talking to men about God. Uh, (laughs) Here's my point, and I actually do have one, believe it or not. But this is an important principle when it comes to prayer. It's that of talking to God about man before talking to man about God. And that's what David does here. I think we do err greatly when we don't call upon the Lord first. Because that's what's going to set the whole temperature for everything that David is up against. And that's what David did. But perhaps more importantly, it should be noted why David did what he did, which is in verse 2. It's that David's reputation is being attacked. He has his enemies against him. They are slandering him. They are lying about him. And they're doing so in an attempt to turn his glory to shame by the false accusations. And I love the sanctified strength of the psalm because it's like David is saying, you're doing this, but God's going to have the final word on what you're doing. You'll see. And, and here's why. Because I've talked to him about what you're doing. <laughs> and uh, watch out. <laughs> because now he's heard me and he's going to answer my prayer and he's going to deal with you. And God does. And it's for this reason that David not only prayed concerning this, but he also had the confidence that God would hear his prayers and answer his prayers about this. Um, You know, one of the things, and this is why it is that I believe that the enemy will do everything and stop at nothing to keep us from praying. Have you noticed how when you set your foot to pray, you, you just set aside time to pray that all of a sudden everything starts happening, the phone starts ringing, the kids start fighting. I mean, everything starts happening That is spiritual. (laughs) That is a spiritual warfare because Satan knows that prayer is the deciding factor. And he'll do everything he can to keep a Christian from praying because he knows that when a Christian prays, that's his defeat. You know, we're told to resist the devil and he will flee. How do you resist the devil? Prayer and the word of God. When Jesus was tempted, he quoted scripture. That's the sword of the spirit, as we're going to see when we get to Ephesians chapter 6. But what happens is when you don't pray, you lose that confidence. And what I want to sort of draw your attention to here is that David had this confidence in the Lord because he had prayed to the Lord. See, Satan seeks to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob us of that power that is available to us in prayer. And this is one of the ways that he does it. A defeated Christian is a Christian who doesn't pray. 
Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Actually, I want to talk about that when we get to uh, Psalm 6, about 9.30 p.m. at this rate. So let's just keep moving. (laughs) So he has this confidence, and this confidence is available for every Christian. And again, this is what Satan tries to steal from us and keep from us vis-a-vis prayer. But there are certain times and certain instances in which God may not answer our prayers. And over the years, I've heard some of the best teachings on this matter of unanswered prayer. And I want to share with you four of them. This is not exhaustive. There are many reasons uh, why God may either not answer prayer or delay in answering prayer. But I wanted to at least, I think I've got four of them that I want to share with you. Four reasons that God may not answer a prayer that we pray. The first one is an inconsiderate husband. This is specific to husbands. And this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Sometimes when I'm doing a wedding, I got a wedding I'm doing this Sunday. I'm probably not going to do this one uh, because listen to what it says. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Another translation renders it, dwell with your wives in understanding and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, the weaker vessel, not inferior, weaker physically, And as heirs with you, joint heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that, and this should send chills up and down the spine of every husband here tonight, present company included, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I have to share very candidly, very openly, that there was a season in my life many years ago, early in my marriage, when it seemed like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. And when I inquired of the Lord concerning why it was that it seemed that my prayer life was ineffectual and inconsequential, and there was a something, a hindrance, the Lord just gently, as he's always so you know, loving and kind and compassionate. He's not harsh. He's very gentle. The good shepherd just gently led me to this exhortation here in First Peter chapter 3. And it was exactly what was happening. It had to do with my marriage relationship and the way that I was treating, perhaps better said, mistreating my wife. And it was because of that, that my prayer life had been hindered. I'm going to leave that one there and just let the Holy Spirit take her from there. Let's move on. The second one, the second reason for unanswered prayer is unconfessed sin. Now there are many other scriptures. I chose uh, specifically Proverbs 28 verse 9 and verse 13 says in verse 9, If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. And then verse 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, 
but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Let me sort of qualify this, and we talked about this in our study in Ephesians. This is uh, habitual, willful, unconfessed sin. If you harbor sin in your heart, if you have cherished this sin in your heart, your prayers will be hindered, even unanswered. Here's another reason. The request is harmful. That which you're praying would not be good. James says, uh, chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. In other words, God will withhold no good thing from you who ask. If you ask anything in my name, if it brings glory to the Father, Jesus said, you can have that which you ask for. If it's according to God's will, God will answer that prayer. You can count on it. You can be assured of it. But here's the problem. It may not be God's will. It may not bring God glory, nor will it bring you good. In fact, that which you're asking for will not only not bring you good, it will bring you harm. It could pose a threat or a danger to you. And and God knows the end from the beginning. I've heard it said like this, that God answers our prayers the way we would answer our own prayers if we knew what he knew. The problem is we don't know. So we pray and we, we ask God for something and I can almost <laughs> picture God in heaven going, you, you don't want that. <laughs> no, Lord, please, would you, you know, do this? You don't want me to do this. Trust me. <laughs> you don't want, it will not be good. You've heard it said, I'm sure, that um, I'm thankful for the prayers that God does answer, but sometimes I'm even more thankful for the prayers that God didn't answer. Because were he to answer the prayer as I prayed it, it would have been catastrophic. It would have been disastrous. It would have been to my harm and even to my peril. So God will answer prayer when it's good for us and brings glory to him. If you pray in that way, you will receive the answer to your prayer. Now, you may not get it when you want. It will always be in God's time, and it will always be for God's glory. Now, the next reason is wrong motives, and this is a biggie. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 says, You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And by the way, that's another one, uh, as it were. Uh, a, a reason why God doesn't answer prayer is because you never asked. Right? You have not because you ask not. God is not going to answer a prayer that you're not asking for. I think the worst thing that could ever be said of any Christian is they have not because they asked not. So you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, listen, 
you do not receive. And here's why. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. In other words, God's not going to answer a prayer because he knows the heart. He knows the motive of the heart. So we, and he knows the heart behind that prayer. He knows the why behind the what of that prayer. He knows why we're praying it. And we're not going to get anything over on God, right? We can try. But when we pray, God knows exactly why we're praying, what we're praying. And if the motive is wrong, God will not answer that prayer for that reason. Here's this uh, last one, and it's a biggie. In, in fact, uh, candidly, this is one of the ones that I struggle with the most because I am impatient. And I've confessed that. I'm just not a very patient man. Now, as I get older, I'd like to think it's, it's spiritual because I'm, you know, maturing in Christ and growing in grace. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is I just don't have much energy anymore, too. So it's kind of like I, I have to uh, wait, even though I hate to wait. So here's another reason for not necessarily just unanswered prayer, but a delay in answering prayer. The timing is wrong. It's not the right time yet. And this is Isaiah 13. And this uh, verse in Isaiah has really been a help to me. I, I trust it'll be a help to you as well. It says, therefore, the Lord will wait, delay, <laughs> that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. And this is the, the key. Blessed are all those who wait for him. You're going to be blessed when you wait for him. And the Lord will wait and delay in answering a prayer because he's being gracious to you. He's not punishing you. He's not even chastising you. No, he's delaying because he knows that in delaying it will be better for you. And he's being gracious to you. And he's being merciful to you. And he's blessing you when you wait for him. Uh, there's this quip. Uh, I heard it many, many years ago, and it goes like this. When you pray... And God doesn't answer the prayer. It might be one of several things. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If the request is wrong, God says no. If you're wrong, God says grow. But if the timing is right and the request is right and you're right, God says go. Here you go. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. 
Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.